Today, um, I get the privilege of sharing with you all, and I'm really excited about it. Um, now, if you remember at the beginning of the year when Bob shared, you know, the outline of the transition and, and um, how often Pete and I would be preaching, you know, and our preaching goes up every year or whatever, and I've got a little bit of a problem with that. Because um, every single time I'm supposed to preach, we have like the week from hell uh, before I preach. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've got a, Aiden's going to Argentina. We've preparing our kids to go um, hang out with my parents for a week. Will you guys, mom, dad, will you guys stand up just real quick? Wave to the crowd. Come on. Yeah. Um. Then uh, Pete and I are getting ready to go to a marriage intensive for the whole week. Um, marriage is beautiful and marriage is transformative, but nothing transformative usually ever happens um, in an easy way. So Pete and I are going to work on our marriage for a whole week. So, you know, there's that. And then um, I don't know if Joe and Amy are in here. Sorry, guys, we haven't told you yet. There are landlords. But um, we have a little bit of a flea infestation at our house. So remember that cute little kitten we got from Bob and Sue? <sighs> he is like a flea magnet, and we're dealing with, like, you know, trying to get the house ready to bomb it before we leave. So um, it's been a little crazy. So I actually, you know, this week had all these times set aside to prepare, and basically none of them happened. But here's what's cool. The thing I'm sharing on today is um, something God has been talking to me about and working in me for like, I don't know, three or four years. And it's something that Pete and I both really feel. Today will be more like a seed message where you might not get the full meal today, but it's something that we want to seed. That means it's something in the seed form that we hope comes to fruition and produces and bears fruit in us. So today I'm going to talk to you about being peacemakers. Will you guys open your Bibles, if you have Bibles, or if you have, um, you know, cell phones, whatever, whatever you got. We're going to Matthew. You've probably read this passage before, if you've known Jesus for, you know, any amount of time. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And I always go back to this again and again. Because to me, the sermon, or it's called, called the Sermon on the Mount, um, it has all these things in it where, in a sense, it could be kind of discouraging because God says, you know, well, you used to do this. You know, you were told this. But I'm actually asking you to go above and beyond. Like, it's not good enough to just obey the law. Can you really love me with your whole heart? Can you really love your neighbor as yourself? He's always challenging us to go above and beyond. And not just in like an extra credit kind of way. You know, like in school, it's not extra credit. It's actually upside down. It's countercultural. Everything that Jesus said and did, it didn't fit into the mindsets that, um, you know, that his disciples or um, the people had, when he was teaching them, he was totally upending and uprooting the things that they kind of felt to be true or could settle into or had worked so hard on. And how, how rude of him. 
You know, how rude of him. They had their nice, orderly little lives. They had the rules they were supposed to follow. Now, for a lot of people, if they were doing good, it was like, are you saying that's all for nothing? But for the people who were maybe struggling, this was actually such good news. This was good news because he says there's a different way. You've been told this is the thing you're supposed to do. This is the way you're supposed to go. And I'm telling you, there's a whole new way to live. So we're going to start in chapter 5 of Matthew. And it says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So today I want to talk to you about being a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we want to be known as disciples of Jesus and followers of Jesus and people that love well. But this thing about being a peacemaker, God has been talking to me about it for a long time. And I think when I used to read this, I thought peacemakers were peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacekeepers. That's kind of in my mind how I used to read it. And God started to talk to me about peacemakers are not peacekeepers. Peacemakers, it's pretty obvious, make peace. They make peace wherever they go. And if your idea of peace is just harmony and everyone gets along and no one says anything rude to one another and we don't ruffle any feathers and we don't rock the boat, you could have a wrong idea about what a peacemaker is. Peace The word is shalom, which you might be familiar with. But that actually doesn't mean absence of conflict or making sure that everything looks good and everyone gets along. Shalom actually means wholeness, completeness, or unity. And I've said this before preaching, you can't have unity if you just have uniformity. If everybody has the same opinions and everyone thinks the same way, that's not really unity. Peacemakers make peace. Now, the thing that God started talking to me about is that being a peacemaker is an identity. It is part of who he made us to be. When we were born, he made us to be peacemakers, to make peace here on this earth, to make peace wherever we go, to be so filled with the peace of God inside of us and the presence of God that wherever we walk, whatever room we enter into, we actually make peace. Now, I was, um, there's a, a ministry. Um, it's called Axis Ministries. And they do, they do these uh, um, summits, video summits for parents where you can watch all these interviews with all these experts and pastors and authors. And I watched this one years ago. And this guy, I don't even know how to say his name, but he gave a def- definition of a peacemaker. And I was like, yes, that is it. So here's what he said. 
A peacemaker goes into an area where peace is missing or has been scandalized and brings the order of the kingdom of God. A peacekeeper tries to maintain or preserve the order already in place. But peacemakers don't avoid conflict or chaos. They boldly move towards it. They carry the peace of God into chaotic situations to actually change circumstances and mindsets. That is what we are called to do. Because peacemaking says there's another way. Now, how many of you right now, maybe in the last couple of years, have maybe felt that um, your internal peace has been scandalized? Anyone? <laughs> we're anxious, right? We fe- we're fearful. We're fearing the future. We're fearing the present. How many of you feel like maybe in the last couple of years, our circumstances, like around the world, around our nation, they've been scandalized? Anybody? And so God is calling us at this time to not try to just keep the peace. He's not calling us to pick a side. And years ago when I was kind of going through this little, what I call my cocoon phase where God was uh, speaking identity into me like crazy. And I just was kind of like, God, what are you doing? And he said, I'm preparing you to come out of this cocoon and to walk with boldness and to walk with humility and to walk with confidence in the things I've called you to do. And I was like, that sounds great while I was in the cocoon. And then I kind of came out of this little intimate experience with God after about a year and I realized, oh my goodness, everywhere I look, everywhere, I mean, if I get on Facebook, if I get on, you know, social media, Instagram, whatever, within family circumstances, I'm always being cornered to pick a side. Do you guys ever feel that? Do you ever feel that? Like someone's saying, nope, you have to choose this all the way, or you have to choose this all the way. There are only two sides to this issue. There's only two ways to look at this, you know, maybe a family circumstance you're going through. It's like pick a side. Maybe at your job. You know, there's only two sides. Maybe there's the employees and the boss or management. There's only two sides you get to pick from. And God just kept showing me, you're a peacemaker. That doesn't mean you're trying to keep the peace. Because I used to do a mediation when I was like in sixth grade or something. You know, if two students were having a conflict, I got trained to go and help them work out their problems. But peacemaking is not just mediating. Peacemaking is not just trying to help each side see the other point of view, although that's helpful. Peacemaking says there's a whole other way. And don't let yourself be tricked into thinking you have to pick a side. Now, please hear me when I say pick a side. I'm not saying like Jesus or the devil. That's kind of obvious. I'm not saying that. But in almost every situation you can find yourself in, The enemy will always try to get you, even in your mindsets, there's just this or there's this. And uh, in Set Free, when we do the Genesis process, we call that a double bind. It means, I was going to say, darned if you do and darned if you don't. Um, The double bind is where, man, this thing that I'm doing or this path that I'm going down really is not fruitful, but the thing that will require change or to go the opposite direction is so fearful or it's so dangerous, it's so risky that I really don't want to do either one. 
I'm stuck, but the, the, the thing that it will take to change is too much. It's called the double bind. But peacemaking makes another way. Uh, Jonathan Owens, uh, one of our church plants to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, he used to talk about the radical middle. And that is what I keep going back to. Jesus, when he would share, he would talk about something that was radical. It was so not what people were thinking that, that you know, the things that he, were coming out of his mouth, that was not what they were, were expecting to hear. And you find that again and again when people come to him and ask him questions, and then he doesn't really answer their question. He actually a lot of times asks them a question back, or he says something that doesn't satisfy the answer that they were looking for. Um, Peacemakers have an authority to bring the kingdom of God and change atmospheres wherever they go. They're influencers, and not like, you know, social media or like YouTube influencers for the younger people in here. Um, But we're called to be influencers, so we're not to go into situations and to kind of check the, the, the temperature and go along with the temperature, we're called to go into situations and be a thermostat that actually sets a whole new temperature for wherever we're at. So making peace is supernatural. There are some things that seem really supernatural. Like if somebody gets up here and they get, they get a word for somebody and they give them a word of knowledge, something that they could possi- couldn't possibly know, that seems really supernatural. And um, there's things, you know, healing. If we were to lay hands on, on someone right now and they were to get healed of cancer, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's so supernatural. But peacemaking is supernatural. There is no way you can do it without God. And there's no way that you can bring the kingdom of God into situations unless you're carrying it inside of you. So here's some things peacemaking is not. Peacemaking is not avoiding conflict or tough conversations. So many times in order to keep the peace, and I actually looked this up uh, because when I was thinking of peacekeepers, I was thinking of, you know, the United Nations, and they go into countries where peace has been scandalized, right? They have all kinds of rules that they have to follow, and uh, and I was looking kind of almost like for like their, their track record. And this is, not, this is not like bashing the United Nations. But um, their peacekeeping force, the very first mission that they ever had was in between Israel and, um, and Arabs. That was the very first one. And they're still, they're still there. Um, so peacemaking does not, is, is not avoiding conflict or tough conversations. It's not avoiding the tough situations. Peacemaking actually is the thing that says, I've got boldness inside of me to run into a tough conversation, not brazenly, not arrogantly, but with pure humility and a boldness to bring what God has in that situation. Peacemaking is not passive aggressive. (laughs) Some of us, the way we think we can um, make peace is by just letting like little comments seep out (laughs) all the time. Um, That way you're not really rocking the boat. Um, You're not really seen as as somebody who's like a bull in a china shop, but you're kind of letting, you know, things be made known. Um, But being a peacemaker means that we are truth tellers. 
We have to be willing to know the truth and to tell the truth and do it in a way that brings peace into situations. Um, Peacemaking is not for a certain personality type. Any super strong, stubborn, strong-willed personality types in here? No, but, whoa, (laughs) people are pointing at each other. (laughs) People are pointing at each other, Uh uh-huh. Okay, come on. Um, If you have a super strong personality, you're called to be a peacemaker too, okay? Um, Even more so. You're to use that strong will. You're to use those things that God has given you as part of your personality to be courageous and to bring justice into certain situations and to almost be able to say, hey, guys, Let's just, let's just stop for a minute. Let's wake up and realize we don't have to always pick a side. What is the middle way? What is that radical middle? What's that third way? Um, peacemaking, like I said, is not uh, keeping the peace. If you go into a situation and you're just trying to keep everyone happy, um, that is actually probably one of the things that actually causes the most trouble in the long run because we're not being honest with each other. Pete and I used to um, tell each other the truth a lot in the beginning of our marriage. Um, We did not do it humbly. We did not um, consult Jesus before we said things. We told each other the truth a lot, and we hurt each other a lot. But what we realized is we had some friends who we would look at and go, man, their marriage is so good. Look at how nice they are to each other. Man, they're so loving. And then, you know, 10 years later, things are coming up in their marriages that they've never told each other. Now, Pete and I were not doing it the right way, and we're still still working on things, trying to get things done in a way that is pleasing to Jesus. Um, but peacemakers are truth tellers. They're going to tell the truth. They're going to ask God, though, first, how do you want me to say the truth? How do you want me to approach my boss and let them know about, you know, what's going on at my job and maybe disgruntled coworkers. Um, that person who's, like, really bugging you, God, how do I go into this situation with this person who's driving me crazy? How do you see that person? Am I just seeing them, like the negative aspect of them? But who did you make them to be? How can I prophesy, not just into a situation, but into that person's life? How can I speak identity into that person's life? Um, peacemaking for all the strong-willed people is not going into a situation and trying to force and control everyone to think the way you think. That's not peacemaking either. Just because you have a strong personality and some people might not stand up to you doesn't mean you always look like a leader as a peacemaker. Like I said, peacemakers are influencers. I said before that um, it's not simply mediating. It's definitely not picking sides. But here's something peacemaking is not. It is not safe. It is not safe because everyone around you is going to be bothered that you're not picking a side. Everyone is around you might be bothered that you're actually telling the truth. Wait, in this family, we don't, we don't really tell the truth. We just do the whole, like, we're nice to each other when we see each other at family gatherings, but then we just talk about each other behind it, you know, each other's backs. Peacemaking is not safe. Something that the guy said that I got that, that definition from, he was talking about parenting. And this is a guy, um, he's a tall white guy with like red hair. He was a basketball player or something in college. And he actually runs a, uh, a Christian school. I believe it's in Alabama. Um, it's a private school and it's funded, you know, they get funding, but it's um, for underprivileged kids. 
kids that are probably living in areas, you know, there's, there's drive-by shootings and things like that, and uh, the person interviewing him was, uh, they asked something, and he said, oh, we live. We, my, my wife and my, I think he has four kids and I, we live in the neighborhoods that our kids come from at the school. And the interviewer was just kind of like, you know, wow, how do you, how do you do that? And he said, we're teaching our kids that peacemaking is not safe. There was a drive-by shooting, you know, the other night on our, on our street. And he said, so many times as parents, I'm convicted of this. We disciple our kids to be peacekeepers. We disciple our kids to be peacekeepers, and then we wonder why they're not transformed by the gospel. Because we've taught them to be nice. I say this sometimes to my kids, and I'm like, oh, stop saying it. Can you just be nice to each other? Can you just be nice to each other? Now, I want them to be kind, and I want them to know what love looks like and forgiveness looks like, but I don't want to raise nice kids. We sometimes raise our kids to be quiet, to, to stay quiet. We raise our kids to sometimes fit inside these boxes. You know, we want them to go to a certain college or we want them to excel at certain sports or make sure they have all the, you know, after-school activities. And, and we want them to be safe and we want them, I mean, I do want my kids to wear their seatbelts. But um, because bad things can happen, right? But when we raise our kids to stay inside the lines, it is a huge leap and it's a complete mindset change for them to become true peacemakers in their marriages, as adults, at their jobs? How about at their schools? I've got kids in public school, and not, not to bash public school, but I mean, I tell my kids a lot of times as I'm dropping them off for school, you're peacemakers. Wherever you go, you carry the peace and the presence of God inside of you. And I, and I give them examples of what that could look like. And sometimes it's just smiling at somebody. Sometimes it's going and finding somebody that's sitting alone at lunch and, um, and you know, asking if they could sit with them. But more than anything, um, peacemakers are secure in their identity. And this, the, the idea of identity, it, it's not, I understand right now it seems like a, a trendy thing. But truly knowing who we are in Christ, when we have a relationship with him, truly knowing who he made us individually to be, because who God has called me to be, the way he's called me to live out my relationship with him, is going to look different than like Lisa Keating, right? It's going to look different than Jason Greneman. It's going to look different than my mom and my dad. We all have things inside of us that God said, this is the way I made you, and I want you to live fully out of that identity. And so we aren't going to stop harping on the identity thing. Um, I'm the kind of person where when a trend comes, I usually don't try it out. I can make fun of it, or I'm just like, oh, everybody's doing it. And then after it's been around for five years, I'm like, hmm, I kind of like it. <laughs> and then after the trend has moved on, you know, and people are doing other things, I'm still stuck with, like, you know, the thing that I, that it, whether it was, like, a clothing, a fashion thing, or whatever it was, or a show that everyone was watching, I wait until it gets, you know, syndicated and is, like, on Netflix or whatever. But we're not going to skip over the identity thing because it's foundational to being able to walk out who God has called each of us to be. We have to know who we are, and we have to be secure in that. Because I don't know about you, but I get insecure sometimes in my identity, even as much as God has spoken to me about who I am. He's kind of doing like another little layer of it right now, and I still get insecure 
And when I'm walking in insecurity, I walk into situations, and suddenly situations that should not feel threatening feel threatening. Situations that I should feel bold in, I shrink back. And God wants us to walk in boldness. That boldness, though, there's a humility component to it. So we have to be humble and bold, bold and humble. We cannot just be brazen and have, um, you know, uh, a strong will. We have to have the humility. And I believe, I mean, my definition of humility actually is boldness. But sometimes when, when you say humility, people think that means, you know, kind of like holding back or letting people walk all over you. But humility really means you know exactly who you are and who God made you to be. And you don't have to flash it around and wave it around in people's faces. You're at peace. You have a peace inside of you. I think um, more than anything, peacemakers are willing. They are willing. There are people that could seem more gifted than you, that could seem uh, more privileged, more spiritual, more qualified. Maybe they actually really are more qualified than you. But the thing God is showing me about, I think, this round on identity is... um, there's so many people that aren't willing to be misunderstood. There's so many people that aren't willing to be challenged in their beliefs or their mindsets. There's so many people that aren't willing to be embarrassed. There's so many people that aren't willing to be criticized. There's so many people that aren't willing to set aside our pride and our entitlement or our very specific expectations of how we think God should be God and how our life should play out and how other people's lives should play out, we're not willing to surrender our rights. Peacemakers are willing. And I believe God is asking us today, like, even if you think, oh, I'm a peacemaker. I mean, I, I mean in most situations, I would consider myself a peacemaker. Would you be willing to ask God, God, is there more? Is there more? Am I just simply going into situations um, to stir things up where I think I'm being bold and I think I'm being a truth teller, but am I really just stirring things up out of my own irritation? God, I think I'm a peacemaker, but am I going into situations a little afraid of what everyone's going to think of me? And so I kind of say what you want me to say, but not all the way. I was almost going to pray for that person you wanted me to, but then I think someone else did, so ask him, God, I want to be willing. And maybe that doesn't sound very very fun, the whole misunderstood challenge, you know, um, embarrassed and criticized, willing to give up your rights, willing to give up pride. That is what God is currently taking me through. And so I don't like preaching on things where I don't feel like I have a victory yet, you know, where I don't have a full testimony. Um, But I want to be good at this. And the one thing that I can say is I am willing. It's not always fun being a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker is really, really hard. But that's who we are. We don't get to choose if we, if we are peacemakers or not. You can choose to walk in it or not walk in it. But you are a peacemaker. I wrote this little thing. Um, it was something a long time ago I wanted written or displayed somewhere in the, in the building. And um, I don't know, remember where it was going to be. But 
uh, it was almost like a, a little, you know, vision statement of who we are. And I was like, God, who are we as a church? Who are we? And I got this. Um, we are daughters and sons of God, awakened to love. Joy is our portion, equipped for purpose, set free to bring freedom. We forgive wholeheartedly. We are peacemakers, God chasers, world changers, legacy builders, fully alive, intimately known. We live loved. Peacemakers know how loved they are. So if you don't know that, you can't make peace because you're not at peace. God wants us to know how intimately known and loved we are by him. And so many of us just pick sides and we go our own way. And God's saying, wait a minute, would you, like we, this morning, this morning, did you feel that awkwardness after the third song? What are we doing? It's kind of quiet up there. Are we singing another song? What are we waiting for? I loved it. I loved it. Because God's saying, would you just sit still for a second? Would you just let me tell you how much I love you? Would you let me speak identity and words of identity and purpose over you? But we're so busy and we're so insecure. And I do this too. God tries to speak things over me and I get uncomfortable. He tries to tell me how uh, beautiful or lovely I am to him. And I'm like, give me a stronger word, God. I don't want to be told I'm lovely. <laughs> give me like warrior words or something. But he sits there and, and something he said to me recently is, um, I want to gaze into your eyes. Would you not look away? If I'm looking at you and I'm making eye contact with you, would you hold my gaze. I believe we're supposed to be peacemakers. I know we are. <laughs> That's who we already are. And I'm going to end by um, reading a scripture here. And uh, I actually had several, but I'm just going to, I'm going to just go to the end. In Luke 19, actually, if you are on the prayer team, and you're feeling strong today, <laughs> um, we give, you know, the prayer team permission. Like, you don't have to come up here just because we ask you to. But if you could just uh, come up and worship team, if you guys could come back up. In Luke 19, uh, Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And I, I'd been looking at some of the, the gospels where Jesus goes in and clears out the temple. And I was actually, I was going to go through the Bible and do all the people that I thought were peacemakers, and Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker, in my opinion. But I kept going back to the, the stories where he goes in and he clears out the temple, because that is a peacemaking moment. It's a very seemingly violent one, um, but that's a peacemaking moment. He went into the temple and said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. You've made it into a den of thieves. That was a peacemaking moment. He brought the authority of the kingdom of God into the outer courts of the temple. But there's this thing in um, Luke, and it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, 
he wept over it. Now, you remember there's the one other verse in the Bible, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Here's the other one. I mean, also he uh, wept with Lazarus, he cried when Lazarus was dead. But it says he wept over it. And here's what he said. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now, I'm not like a fire and brimstone preacher, (laughs) but I felt like God was saying he's weeping over some of us today. Because we have chosen to not recognize God's visitation in our lives. He's already visited us. You know, sometimes we're like, we want a visitation. But he's like, I've already come. I've already visited you. But are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to recognize that I'm already here? Are you willing to recognize that the things that you are asking for, you're crying out to God for peace in your kids' lives, in your marriage, um, at your jobs, and God's saying, I have a way. It's probably not the way that you want it to go, though. It probably isn't going to look like making peace. But are you willing? So will you guys stand with me? There might be some of you here that you wouldn't actually consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus, and you might not consider yourself to be a a Christian. Or maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you've walked away from God. But that's the ultimate form of making peace right there. When we choose to come to him and we say, we give I give you my life. I surrender my rights. I lay them down at your feet, and I want to pick up what you have for me. That's the ultimate form of making peace. If you need that kind of peace made in your life, just please come up and and pray with someone here on the prayer team. If you have a situation in your life right now where you're like, I don't know how to get peace, I'm right there with you. (laughs) There's some situations right now where I'm like, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Am I willing? Am I willing? Is there some place where I've said I don't want you in that part of my life? Is there some way where I've said I don't want you to do it that way? But if you have a situation in your life where you're like, I need the peace of God inside of me. God doesn't always tell us a roadmap of exactly what we're supposed to do. He gives us peace inside of us, and that peace guides us and leads us step by step. It's a trust process. So if you have something in your life where you're like, I need the peace of God, I am anxious, I want you to come up and get prayer. And if you feel like, man, I I know I need some peace made in my life, and I want to be a peacemaker, but you really feel like you just need to sit at your seat and let God speak words of identity over you, Let God, in a sense, rearrange some things in your mind. That's what repentance is. It's walking the exact opposite way. 
It's saying, God, I, I don't want to live like this. And I, like we were singing earlier, I surrender all. So if you need to make a personal surrender of something in your life at your seat, that is fine too. But let's ask him. Let's be willing people where we say, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? Is there something I'm holding back from you? We want to be peacemakers because we are peacemakers and blessed are the peacemakers. We want to be a blessed people. So God, would you come? Lord, would you reveal things in our hearts? Would you just kind of uh, splay us open, God? Would you search us? Would you know us? Examine the motives of our heart. Examine our mindsets. Whether we are getting healed in a moment or whether this is just the beginning of a work you want to do in our lives, God, we give you our whole selves and we say have your way.